personally, I would say to like a younger dentist, don't worry about the money at the beginning. Get that out of your head. When you see people on social media doing smile designs and all this and, you know, being kind of living this lifestyle, I don't think that you should let that get to you. And I think that it takes a lot of time and it takes time to get good. Well, you're not earning much money. It's just, you, you've got to go through that. Don't feel the pressures that you've got to be the same. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. In the last few years, I've seen a massive increase in the number of composite veneers we are placing as a profession. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't have anything major against composite veneers. It's just that when I see a beautiful smile plastered with composite, it makes me a little bit anxious. I just think a lot of these patients, all they need is a bit of teeth whitening, maybe a little bit of edge contouring, edge bonding, and sometimes some orthodontics. And I feel perhaps we've just stretched it a little bit with this composite veneer kind of trend. But you know what? It's what the patients want, so I understand why as a profession we're doing this. Now, the guest I have on today is gonna to share such huge, valuable gems for us. It's, I did promise you in the last episode that I've got a complete rock star on today. Uh, it is none other than George the Dentist, who is just doing amazing, amazing high caliber dentistry. I love his social media. I love the reflective post that he does on Instagram. So I'm just so excited to get this episode out to you. We discuss so much. Like when you have someone like George, who's just such a talented guy, there was so much to discuss. But one thing that we did discuss was composite veneers and his take on it, which I think is, is really special, the way he breaks it down. And one tip that he gave is so, so amazing towards around about two thirds into the episode that I think this is gonna be potentially the tip of the year when it comes to his podcast. Uh, it's something that I'm gonna uh, implement in my work flow straight away and maybe I'm late to the party maybe you guys are already doing this but it's, it's something to do with when you find that patient and you're gonna be having some composite bonding be it edge bonding be it composite veneers be it whatever that upfront conversation that you have about chipping about uh, polishing and the maintenance how do you have that conversation I think the way that George has that conversation is just sensational and the expectations are laid out, the financials of it are laid out and I just absolutely loved it. So I'm so excited for you to listen to that one. Before we jump into the main episode, uh, I wanna give you the protrusive dental pearl. It's related to polishing your composites. Uh, I don't think I've used this as a pearl already. If I have, I'm so sorry. It's my favorite polishers in the whole world. This is not a sponsored episode, but I love the Eve twist. Okay, so it's E-V-E twist. Uh, I believe they're made by a German company called Diacomp uh, and they're called Eve Twist. Like even when I was in Singapore, I used to like import them from Germany to Singapore. Uh, they are just my favorite polishes. Is there the, the pinkish purplish one, um, which is the, the, the pre-polish and there's the white one, which really gets such a fine luster. So just using these two polishes, uh, I get a great result and it doesn't take very long at all. So if you're looking for a new polishing system, uh, I try out Eve Twist and, and let me know what you think by reaching out to me on, on the Instagram at Protrusive Dental. I know you will love it. Now let's join back to the, the main interview with George Dentist where we discuss so many different things as well as the, the whole composite bonding, composite veneer issue. We discuss his career progression. We discuss something which is, which is pretty interesting and really highlighted the, the humility that George has, which is the fact that he admitted quite openly that extractions are, are not his forte, right? He's completely okay. The fact that, you know, there's some areas of dentistries which he's, he's good at and, and I, I like to say he's really good at it. And he's, he knows where his weaknesses are. 
And there was something really beautiful about that. Um, so thanks, George, for, for sharing it in the way you did it. I know you guys will, will love this and you'll really appreciate and enjoy his humility that he shows. Uh, so let's just dive right in. Everything from image management, photography, to career progression, and managing your patients with composite veneers. Ladies and gents, listen up, it's George the Dentist. George the Dentist, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. Um, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be speaking to a reputation such as yourself. So thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Mate, your reputation is just f phenomenal in terms of the, the kind of content you're producing on social media, which is so educational. And I think that's why um, every time I look, you know, you're, you're, you're growing in followers, but that doesn't matter. The, the followers, we all know that doesn't matter, but it's the value that you're providing. And, and that's why I think that you have so many followers. And, and it'd be interesting to know what percentage of your followers are other dentists and what percentages are, are patients, because I bet you get bombarded with both. Because part of my journey at the moment is I'm always happy to help other dentists. And, and my Instagram is more for dentists than it is for patients and, and and keeping up with the dms it can get quite stressful and i remember you shared a story about four or five yeah. months ago actually and like you're like look i'm sorry i'll get get to everyone but there were so many dms so uh i mean your, your yeah. reputation you know always precedes you like you everyone knows you everyone who's listening to our podcast i i'm sure they know who you are but i still want you to do an introduction anyway just a brief introduction about yourself uh, and then we'll talk about how you handle your dms and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty things I'm George. People might know me as George the Dentist, and that's how like people say, "Oh, hey, you're George the Dentist now," because of the whole social media thing. Um, you know, I'm just a I'm just a general dentist, man. You know, I qualified about ten or eleven years ago up in Newcastle, which is a very fun fun place to study. Came um, down to to London, um, did my VT year down here, and then started in mixed practice. And I started a day a week in a private practice. And actually, that's the practice that I'm uh, sitting in right now. You know what? Because I was just thinking about that, how you started a day a week and stuff. And um, let's do that, man. Let's start with your story first. We'll get to that yeah. stuff later. I, I would love to hear. I'm sure everyone would love to hear your story, George. So, yeah. So basically, I, um, yeah, so I started four days a week after my VT year, right? I thought that, you know, I, I want to kind of get better at this, uh, this job. So I started four days in a kind of mixed practice and I started a day in a private practice. The private practice was not the best run thing in the world, i.e. it was kind of, it'd been here for a few years as a squat practice. It didn't have great equipment and that kind of thing. We didn't have any specialist services. And then the, the mixed practice was my colleagues, John and Aaron owned it. And I was very lucky to get a place there because they were super enthusiastic about the dentistry that they were providing, you know, they're, they're endodontists. So they were like super keen, not on kind of cracking out UDAs or making money, but rather the actual quality of the dentistry that you were providing there, right? So it was actually a really great place that I could, I could learn a lot from the other clinicians that were there and take on board what they had to say. They would help provide me with materials um, obviously with that came, you know, the way that I see it is that you've got to put a few years of practice in where you're not making much money. You know, you're not trying to hit those UDAs. You're doing your endos, you know, you're doing like three endos on a patient for three UDAs or whatever. But I just see that almost as a rite of passage, you know. So I kind of over the next like four or five years, I did um, basically kind of stayed doing that so mostly mixed practice and a bit in private and I did a master's degree at the same time in aesthetic dentistry um, always going on courses you know weekend courses just trying to get better really um, 
And then as time went on, I progressed to kind of narrowing down the NHS, but doing more private once I felt that I had, you know, I, I knew what caries was. I knew, kind of knew how to deal with it. I, my bonding got better. I could put a rubber dam on, use a sectional matrix. I got a bit slicker at that. So I felt that I got to the point where, you know, I, I can actually justifiably kind of charge for this now. How many years, George, was, was that uh, for you? You know what, still, I mean, look, we're always learning, right? But I felt that it was the kind of five or six year mark where I could almost kind of really trim down the NHS, yeah? And, but, you know, I was always doing courses. I was always investing in my own equipment. So personally, I would say to like a younger dentist, don't worry about the money at the beginning. Get that out of your head. When you see people on social media doing smile designs and all this and, you know, being kind of living this lifestyle, I don't think that you should let that get to you. And I think that it takes a lot of time and it takes time to get good. Well, you're not earning much money. It's just, you, you've got to go through that. Don't feel the pressures that you've got to be the same. 100% agree. But I'm, can, I, can I just play devil, devil's advocate with you, George? Because because a lot of people will be asking this, right? Is I completely agree with you that um, when you are young, uh, when you're early yeah. in your career, uh, work to learn, not work to earn, right? But the the barrier that dentists have is, uh, especially in, yeah. in mixed practice, is the principal who may be putting pressures to say that, wait, you're spending 45 minutes on a restoration or, or, or whatever, or you wait, you're doing an hour and a half for a root canal? How, you know, how is that going to work? So how does one handle that? I, I, I think that if, unfortunately, you're in the situation where you're getting those pressures and you're not in a job where the values of the principal are the same as yours, I think the only way of dealing with that situation is, you know, finding another job. Or if you're, say, doing five days in that practice, maybe you could find, you know, still do three days because you've got your income. Maybe try and find another job where you do two days. So you've got a couple of jobs where you can experience both types of dentistry and learn from both. Find out what you are good at and what suits you and try to move into that other practice, you know. Um, you're not going to go into a private job straight away where the practice provides very good dentistry if you don't have a bit of experience or you haven't invested in yourself to do it. Like, because why would the principal hire someone who doesn't know how to put a rubber dam on, who doesn't, you know... Extractions is the first thing that comes to mind. I, I think as a young dentist, to to be able to confidently extract teeth is is a, such a fundamental thing. A lot of people don't don't you know. We talk about rubber dam and bonding and stuff, but even more fundamental, we should all be able to be good at our extractions. Yeah, exactly. Um, to be honest, I'm still not confident with extractions. I've got uh, that's why I've got an oral surgeon. I'm like VJ, you just uh, you deal with that, mate. That's fine. Grade three perio, I'll take them out and then act like a hero after. But that's all. <laughs> Well, you know what? People need to hear that. No, no, George, that's very humble of you and very good of you to say that because, uh, if you don't mind me, me saying, is that people uh, have this perception that, uh, you know, George is amazing at everything, which you are, by the way, okay? But it's really good of you um, to put your you know, any ego aside and just be very humble and say, you know what? Extraction is not my forte. And I think people just needed to hear that. Uh, and that's very good of you to say that because what you've also described in that same vein, in that same sentence, is that you've almost found your niche and then it's okay that you're not, you're not a master of extraction because you have uh, team members that you can refer to that are fantastic at that. You're 100% right. And I think that, you know, you will find your position in dentistry where 
you can almost do what you like to do and you think you're good at. If there's something that you don't, then get someone else to do it. And hopefully you can get into a practice where, like, for example, I do the restorative now. You know, the surgery, I'll leave that to VJ. The perio, I'll leave that to the periodontist. Um, you know, endo, I like a bit of endo, but like simple endo. Look, give me a kind of single tooth, primary endo, happy days. I'm ha- great with restoring that. If it's a re-endo, if it's like, you know, I'm searching for the MB2, I can't find it. Look, that patient is probably better off in Aaron's hand with the microscope downstairs, you know? So it's, you know, and and I think that you can be completely upfront with patients. Because I used to think that patient comes in and then I used to think that, you know, sugar, I need to be the expert of everything now and give this patient everything that they they need and want. But actually, I think they respect you more. Exactly. But I think they respect you more to say, look, this isn't how we do it here. You know, you need this endo. I will admit that he is better at endo than me. He will get a better result. So you should see him and this and that. And they, I used to also expect when a patient comes in to be able to give them their, their treatment plan and this complex treatment plan after that checkup first. But, and I used to feel a lot of pressure to have to do that. But now I've accepted, look, I'm going to go away. I'm going to get a scan. I'm going to sit down with this. I'm going to talk to some other people and we're going to come up with a plan. It might not go 100% to what we think it is going to be because I don't know what's under this big amalgam. I don't know what's under that crown. But this is the preliminary plan. It will probably change a little bit along the way. And patients understand when you have that upfront conversation with them. You know, they're human. We're human. Obviously, you get your high need patients that are a bit harder work but you know again if you don't feel that harmony with that patient sometimes maybe they are better off in in, in another clinician's hands brilliant fantastic i love the direction that this uh, podcast got in already so um you told your journey and i, I think you shared that bit about how you got into the one day a week uh, private so we, we've covered that um we can get the dms and stuff later because there's so much i want to cover actually which i can you know i've got this valuable limited time with george dentist i want to make it extremely valuable so first question I, I know i didn't email you this one i'm sorry it's it's, it's it's off the hip here i'm shooting from the hip so which is this is the question which is your case documentation like I, I like documented cases, but with everything going on in life, I really struggle, especially with the pandemic and the hood I have to wear and stuff, to be able to get into the rhythm of posting cases consistently. So what's your secret? And, and tell me yeah. this, George, does George the dentist have one of those meh kind of days where you just can't be bothered to pick up the camera? Does that happen to you? Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. 100% Jazz. And you know what What I find with me is that if I see a case and I, I just basically try to have everything accessible with me so it's easy to take those photos and I'm like, look, I've got a couple of on there, I've got a filling. I'm just going to take photos of this from start to finish. Um, if I know that it's a particularly tricky patient, if I know that it's all going to be subgingival and bleeding, the patient's fidgety, I'm like, look, 
meh, I'm just not going to do it. And then what? sometimes I'll go be thinking, look, you know, I haven't got anything, any nice cases that I want to talk or post about. But then two weeks later, I'll be like, I have got so much stuff on here that I want to talk to people about or put these pictures up. And it kind of gets to the point that once you just make it that routine, you know, if I went through my computer now, I could find, I could go through another, you know, lockdown for four months and probably be posting like every day. But I just don't have the time now to actually do it. And, you know, after a day's work, it actually, people I don't think realize that sometimes the whole social media thing can be a bit of a full-time job because you want to, I don't edit the photos at all. The only thing is that I'm do is like is crop it rotate maybe brighten right if it's a, the flash hasn't gone bright um but actually thinking about something valuable to write for the reader cropping those photos putting them in a line you know it takes like half an hour i think big time so it's actually in the evenings i don't have time for that so sometimes i'll be like look i, I post every night sometimes it's like geez actually i've only, i haven't posted for a couple of weeks but i do it because i enjoy it man and i actually this kind of pathway of the whole Instagram thing has made my dentistry a million times better. And that's why I love it for. I haven't gone into it. Initially, I kind of went into it to get that like Aaron, my practice partner, was like, look, man, you need to do an Instagram post, get patients through the door. So it started to be directed towards the patient, look, before and after, this is Invisalign, whatever. But actually what it's turned into and what I feel that I really like about it is that I've gone into more of the kind of dentist-focused stuff because I like it. I mean, I like the pictures of rubber dam. I like the carriage removal. I like the on-lay preps. I think sometimes that puts off the patients, but whatever. I'm only doing it because, because I enjoy it and I think that maybe there is value. Maybe people, you know, I learn a lot from other people and maybe they could learn off me. I don't know. And so that's the way that it's gone. But then what has actually happened is quite interesting is that, you know, it helps with reputation, which is uh, that I'm very humble to be that you know, people come to me to for me to treat them and that kind of thing. But actually, well, the funny thing is, is that I get a hell of a lot of patients that come in and they will travel quite far because they're like, look, I can see that you actually want to do this like restorative treatment and fix teeth. So fix my holes. I think this might need an onlay or a crown or whatever. So it's, they're not coming in. You know, they're coming in for their general dentistry as well as just the kind of smile stuff, which is which is cool because that's what I enjoy doing. Brilliant. And just a couple of uh, reflections I want to share based on what you said there is I've, I've said in the podcast before time and time again is that when you start taking photos, you actually go up a few levels in terms of how much you can improve in a short amount of time. But when you actually start posting and because you may, you know, now that you're so experienced at doing it, George, you may not remember the first time you posted a case. I remember the first time I posted a case, maybe 2013, 2014. I was crapping myself, you know, about, oh my God, other dentists going to yeah. see the little micro steps. So I thought sometimes we, we dissociate ourselves from that journey, but there's so much to be gained from posting your, co uh, posting your cases. Not only yeah. for your own improvement, George, I'm sure you'll agree, but like you said, you provide value to other people and it's sharing, it's creating these conversations with other dentists so that we don't feel isolated, uh, excuse the pun, in practice. Uh, yeah, 100%. And that's the thing, you know, before the whole social media thing, you know, I'd work my day a week, whatever, in this practice that I'm sitting in right now I wouldn't speak to another dentist I couldn't talk to them about the work that I'm doing because it's not you can't I don't know if this is good or bad you know because no one's seeing it and criticizing it and I'm not seeing what the level of care out there is but you know once you start taking the photos of every single step of what you do you look at back at it and you criticize it and you get a little bit better 
and you get a little bit better because you see, actually, I've made that mistake twice. I'm going to improve on that. And that's where you improve with your dentistry. And this is where, like, say if I, the other thing I think that say if, you know, we were talking about the dentist who has the different values to their principal, right? If you want to find another practice that you want to work at that shares the same values, document your work. If I hire someone, I want to see their work. I don't want to see the before and after. Yeah, the lab have done a nice crown. Great. I want to see the process of your thought, the the step-by-step, the access cavity, the, the core in there. I want to see the impression, you know. And I think that if anyone wants to kind of get a step ahead maybe in the private sector, take photos because that's – I don't even really read CVs, to be honest with you, but I will look at the photos to see to see what they're like. Which is why you hired Barrage. What a wonderful job he's doing uh, with his cases. Is it you know a chip off the old block? In you know if you're if you're his principal kind of are you his principal right? Yeah 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 yeah. So yeah, and that's where all of my associates have come from. I've looked at their work. We've shared the same values, and you know I think sometimes you don't even expect an associate to come in to be absolutely perfect, but you will you grow together and learn. Brilliant. The, the little geeky question I want to ask is um, something that maybe doesn't get discussed enough is what softwares are you using to manage your photos? Because the, the, I'll be honest, the, the system I use is very clunky. Like I put them on my Mac uh, and, yeah. and Mac photos. And what that does, it, it creates a copy. But then as soon as you rotate or crop it, it creates a duplicate copy. And then when you export it into a folder, it creates a third copy. So my hard drive yeah. is, is, is got, you know, 70 gig yeah. worth of um, photos, but that's because it's multiple duplicates. Yeah. So I think it's a clunky way. Are you doing yeah. the same or is there something better that you're doing? All that, I, all that I do, so once I've taken the photos, I put the photos in my card reader, which goes to my computer. I then email it. This is, and this is very clunky. I then email it to myself. So I just open it up on my phone. All that I do on my iPhone is crop, rotate, and then put it on like, you know, the layout app by Instagram. So I put it, the layout on there and then post it. So that, that's all that I do. Okay, good. That, that gives people some ideas, which, which is good to go by. Uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes of uh, this episode. So we talked about your career pathway and story, which is fantastic. Uh, let's talk about something very topical, which I, I'd love to hear your uh, views on, is composite veneers obviously have uh, really taken a trend in the last six, seven years, I think. And the, the problem I have, I'm just sharing with you, I'm sharing with yeah. the, the dentists who listen and watch the podcast, is... Sometimes I see beautiful teeth who perhaps all they need is a bit of whitening and edge bonding. And then I see composite veneers and I really feel a little bit upset. But then, but then you know what, over time, when I see such the quality of work and I see how happy the patients are and, I, and the fact that nothing was drilled away. And then I'm thinking, really, is that as bad as it seems? Because the patients are ecstatic when they have that kind of treatment. So I'm, I'm, I'm really on the fence uh, about it. I used to be very against it. Now I'm a little bit on the fence. Uh, where do you lie on this uh, whole spectrum of when you sort of commit to doing composite veneers and that discussion that you have with patients? No, I'm, uh, I'm in the same camp as that. Honestly, I really don't like full composite veneers that much and that I have done them and patients want them. But my, my real worry is just the long term of these teeth. And unfortunately, it's got to the point where I'm getting patients that are coming to me that have these composite veneers on and they're coming to me for me to cut them off. And, you know, those appointments where I'm cutting them off and it takes me longer to cut them off than it's taken the time that they've been put on in the first place. And I'm feeling sick every single second of those appointments. And I think, geez, this is not going to be fun. And you cut them off. And unfortunately, you know, they are called they will damage the tooth a bit. You know, you're, no, you're always going to touch that tooth when you cut them off, however careful you are. 
and you know it might be a bit scratchy they're not a reversible treatment as my career's gone on I do much more orthodontics now you know and I since I kind of started my ortho like sort of career about three or four years ago with um, Invisalign I have so much more appreciation for occlusion and the teeth being in the right place so a composite veneer to Patients, you know, we've all had it. You get them coming in from Instagram being like, I want composite veneers. Give me 10 up there. I want to go out on the same day looking great. And you're like, look, there's so much misalignment here. That tooth, you just got to do a bit of cutting. That tooth's going to end up with a composite veneer that thick. And unfortunately, what's going to happen, that patient's going to come back. They're going to have perio issues. These things are going to stain. They're going to chip because the occlusion isn't right. And again, you know, you're going to have to be the one that's repairing that. So personally now, I will, you know, I, I kind of refuse to do that sort of treatment. I'm like, look, you'll get it done somewhere. Someone will do it. But a much more minimal, elegant edge bond that maybe covers like a third of the tooth so you can get a little kind of knife edge in there personally is the way that I like to go. And I think a lot of these patients need pre-restorative alignment first and I do not mind doing the bonding then. But I will say to a patient that comes to me, you know, typically it will be that they need some Invisalign or ortho and a bit of bonding. And I'll say, look, as soon as you have this bonding, though, you know, we are essentially, we are tied together for the rest of your life because I will bond these teeth, but they will need maintenance. And typically I will tell the patient that every year you're going to be in with me and we're going to get you in for about an hour. And I'm going to charge you an hour for a, um, a maintenance appointment where any chipping we repair, we give it a bit of polish, right? And then I will say in three to seven years, we're going to have to replace the whole lot. Are you happy with that? I will say when we put this on your teeth, your maintenance is so important. You may, you know, I will have a patient that I will do and I will say, no, I have patients that I will do bonding on. They will come back in three years time and it looks better than the day that I placed it because they look after it and they're careful with it. However, I will do the same bonding on a patient and they will come back chipping. And the reason it's the chipping is because they're being careless with it. They're tearing open crisp packets. They're doing weird things. They're holding their keys in their mouth, whatever, and it will chip. So I just make sure I almost like to do the kind of under-promise, over-perform situation. But I'm making sure that they know that this is, this is going to need maintenance. And I don't like to cover a whole tooth with composite um, or if it's starting to go up to the gum margins or interproximally, you know, it's got to be super, super polished, very thin, but going towards the incisal edge, you know, maybe a, a third of the buckle surface incisally. And, and that's kind of what I prefer to do, but it needs to be maintained. Brilliant. I think you and I are cut from the same cloth, my friend. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the most common uh, positive feedback I get on the podcast is when a, a guest like yourself comes on or, or I will share something uh, that is like a, a conversation that we have with the patient or something that we commonly say to patients yeah. or uh, a, a part of the consent process. And I think you covered such a huge gem there that I'm going to implement straight away. I think I'm going to really copy you and model you whereby you say to the patient uh, an hour of your time every year. I think that's that's great because it 
tells them up front that you know it really commits them to that uh, maintenance and it really uh, makes them part of it makes them really appreciate it much more it also covers your stress that you told them and then uh, the, the, the bills of the practice are paid and then, then you can spend that hour you're probably doing a, an examination as well as any polishing uh, doing their exactly. health regime giving them yeah. hygiene recommendations yeah. and, 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 and that's a great way to do it I just want to tell you that so I think a lot of people will be thinking wow that's absolutely yeah. genius yeah and the thing is Jazz that half the time they don't actually need repairs right they don't they don't get chipping but you've you've put it in there in the first place and you are right they're coming for their their checkup so you can do their checkup do it and then you know give them a bit more whitening gel or whatever they're wearing their hopefully their their retainers if you've done a bit of ortho before so you can really you can really do it and you know the, the way that i kind of package these treatments now to patients is that you know, when if you have treatment with me for your Invisalign and your bonding, you know, it's coming with uh, your hygiene appointment, your thorough examination, you're getting Vivera retainers with it. So, you know, this is all about the maintenance long term, because it's too easy to go in and be like, yeah, get this Invisalign done in three months, we'll whack some composite on, see you later. And then suddenly, you know, it's not as comprehensive. And I think the more you kind of start to know about ortho and occlusion, the more particular you get about these these cases and certainly now i'd be treating things differently to what you do in you know the beginning of your career excellent brilliant uh, and now for the final part of the podcast sir because there's so many things i could pick your brain on but i just want to give because you're, you're, you're one of these people who just good at or annoyingly good at all, the, all this kind of work so you're treating more and more dentists i want to just uh, tell me how what's that like because uh, i, I created a few not many but i just find those the most stressful things ever and then we'll talk a little bit about uh biomimetic dentistry because i know you're passionate about that so t- tell us about uh, uh t- yeah treating other dentists uh, how do you find that man yes you know what like it's literally the thing is jazz now it's it's pretty much every day that i'm seeing a dentist like literally before we're recording this i had a, a dentist that she come quite far and it really does make me i'm like look i thank you like so much for traveling this way yesterday i had another dentist so it's most days you know but i used to find it at first particularly stressful because you know again they come in you you work lunch i know that you're the same as me right and you put a hundred percent effort into every single restoration on every single patient but when it's a dentist in the chair obviously you know that they know so you have to be so particular, which you would do anyway. But, and you know, we all have days where things don't go quite to plan. But then after a while, I got to the point where it's like, look, you know, I'm just going to give you my absolute honest opinion. I'm going to do the best that I can for you. And I think they understand that. And you have this whole conversation with it. And it's like they're coming to you for a reason. And so I just get used to it. And now it's just fine because I'm like, look, I'm going to, Put as much as I can into it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And hopefully you do like it, basically. And it's and they appreciate it. They appreciate your, your working hard. Have you had that dentist yet who triangulates your treatment, i.e. you get uh, they get one uh, mirror in one hand, another mirror in another hand, and they're, and they're doing this. Have you had that dentist yet? I haven't had that dentist yet. Um, <laughs> but luckily I've got a screen above my thing. So I'm just like, the Netflix is a better thing to watch than my uh, restoration here. <laughs> 
Brilliant. And let's finally talk about uh, biomimetic dentistry. Uh, how did you uh, get into it? What is yeah. your definition of biomimetic dentistry? I had um, I, I recorded with David Jadoli recently. I'm really excited to pump out his episode as well. We, we called it Extreme Bonding. How do you make this stick? Uh, so that's coming soon as well. But I just want to hear what got you into it? Um, how would you define biomimetic dentistry? Because a lot of people still don't know what that is. So uh, go from there, my friend. I mean, it's a good point, man. And I think it's just almost building a tooth as nature intended. And, you know, I, I see a tooth as you've got the roots, you've got the pulp, you've got your dentine, you've got your enamel. And this structure is bonded together in a way that is amazing at carrying stress through it. You know, it's, it's you know, if you bite on a tooth, the, the differences of the hardness of these different parts of tooth, it just everything is together in a way that you can function on it for your whole life. And I think that a lot of restorations that we place, we don't appreciate that. And again, dentistry has come a long way personally for me in the last five or 10 years where I want to glue that tooth together well. And as soon as you cut it down for a conventional crown or you're putting a filling that isn't bonded well in, you're screwing up that system so the stresses aren't transmitted through the tooth how they should be. So we want to provide a restoration for the patient that keeps that tooth functioning how it is. And a lot of that comes into picking materials that are similar to the tooth and, and gluing them in well. And, you know, it might be something like in the past I placed, I went through a stage of placing quite a lot of zirconia because I was like, look, it's a really hard material. Put it at the back of the mouth. It'd be fine because it's super strong and hard. But, you know, I didn't really appreciate the, at the time that with that becomes the whole brittleness factor. With that becomes the opposing tooth that you're wearing down. Whereas now I'm actually much more favoring to kind of gluing on a bit of Emacs if you can get the moisture control. And it's like, I think it's kind of a bit of like, you know, it's adhesive dentistry on speed. <laughs> That's by far the best definition of biometric dentistry, adhesive dentistry on speed. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And you, know, you know what? So basically what happened was I'm, I was always getting more into my adhesive dentistry um, because that's what I truly believe in. Surely gluing something in is so much better than not gluing something in. And then during, um, you know, lockdown version one, I was like, actually, you know, maybe I need to know a bit more about this and kind of fill up some of my time. So I started a clear aligner diploma and I started a biomimetic course. And this course is by um, the Alamans over in America. And it's basically a course of reading hundreds of studies and getting proper nerdy with the science behind it and trying to interpret that so it's a course that I don't think it's really going to make you money but it's for the dentist who wants to provide the best possible care for their patient because you know you're not going to come out of it doing a smile design you're going to come out probably a slower dentist but a dentist that can sleep better at night knowing that you have put everything into that you can and that you know when a feeling when a patient calls reception and they're like look my feelings come out it's a very nice feeling to be like, that's not one of mine. You know, knowing that because you've bonded that feeling in so well. So you, you know what I mean? You have confidence. Excellent. I'm going to uh, wrap up now with a quick fire round. OK, I've just come up with this now. Quick fire round for you, George. All right. If tomorrow you had to come to work and for some reason you only had one piece of equipment that was available of all the things that you use, what piece of equipment would it be? Uh, the mirror. Holding the mirror up in a patient's mouth and talking to them about the problems that they have and how they can prevent these problems getting worse. Brilliant. Uh, IPR strips, perforated or unperforated? 
Um, I use perforated IPR strips. Air abrasion, 50 microns or 27 microns? I use 27 and I've actually got the, um, the Aquacare kit, so, which is amazing. So like down here, I've got my laser and my, my Aquacare and you know, I just keep, I just keep 27 in there. Well, dude, that, that answers all the questions I had. I think we covered lots of themes. I know you'll be swamped with, uh, and I'll be swamped with lots of, because uh, it was very, very easy. Listen, I can just really enjoy the time of speaking with you. Tell me, George, any final sentiments, anything fi anything that you want to share with dentists? Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, the, the day and age, the, the kind of age that we are living in now of the whole kind of social media thing, I think it's very easy for um, a younger, more inexperienced dentist to see this, you know, outstanding work that some people are doing around the world and expecting that they have to be doing that work straight away and be expecting, unfortunately as well, seeing the other side of social media where people are, you know, flashing their Ferraris and uh, diamond watches and thinking, look, I need to have that now. I'm comparing myself to everyone else. I think that it takes a hell of a lot of time and investment and self-reflection on getting to a point where you're happy with your dentistry and you will probably never be happy with your dentistry. I am never happy with my dentistry and I will just, you just have to sign up to like CBD for life and doing courses and heavily investing with yourself. And I think that if you do that and you surround yourself with dentists that have similar values to you, I think that will come at a later stage, you know, and it's a long career where you need to be enjoying what you actually do. So surely to be proud of the work that you're doing, it's going to help you sleep better at night. So don't feel the pressures of seeing this stuff. Criticize your own work to get better. Take photos of your own work constantly and, you know, try not to let it get to you. You, you will let it get to you. It happens Patients will come in and you will think, what have I done wrong? Why is this patient not happy with me? It happens to us all. And, you know, I'm here if anyone wants to talk about anything like that, you know. Amazing. George, uh, thank you so much for giving up your time. I know you're such a super busy guy. We, we planned this a few months ago. It is an honor to have you on the podcast. Uh, I'll let you know when it's out. And honestly, have a, have a super day, have a super weekend and really appreciate your time as always, my friend. Take it easy, man. See you soon. Guys, how good was that episode? How good was that little pearl about telling your patient before you place the, the composites, before, before you actually um, start treatment, you tell them about their maintenance cost going forward. So yes, they're having all this treatment done, but what are they expecting to pay on an annual basis uh, and what they're getting for that in terms of an, an annual review, a polish, any minor chips repaired, I just think that's genius. That's like an insurance policy for your composite veneers. It ensures that your patients come back to you and any issues are dealt with, but it also ensures that the patient is not out of pocket because they budgeted from it from the start and you're not out of pocket because you're not repairing chips for free. So it's such a genius system and maybe I'm late to the party and I didn't know this, but I'm hoping for those who didn't know this uh, got some value from that. And in just a few weeks time, by the way, we're doing the second launch of the online Splint course. Uh, I'd love to have you on and if you're interested, do check out splintcourse.com, register and I'll email you when it's ready. And the final bit of news I have for you is that for those of you who are on the WhatsApp group, uh, it kind of got a little bit full. I'm just to remind you that we now have a Telegram group as well. So we can stay in touch. I think the dentist who messaged me is saying that we want a group where we can just talk teeth, right? There are a lot of banter groups, a lot of groups of memes, but this is a group just to talk teeth. Yes, you're allowed to banter and stuff, but it's about getting a clinical opinions, sharing cases, sharing uh, tips and pearls with each other. So join us on the Telegram. You can find that all on protrusive.co.uk uh, and I'll see you same time, same place next week. <laughs> <laughs>